secret friends unite! Welcome to the Secret Friends Unite podcast, episode 412. This is your guide to the geek side, and I am one of your hosts, Todd Oxtra, joined by Charlie Carden. What's happening, y'all? Yeah, we're here again. Um, we uh, just want to say, first of all, thank you to our Patreon members. Uh, we are now up to three members now. Uh, and, uh, we want to give a shout out to um, Missy Merchant, who uh, is a great supporter of us. She has uh, arranged other Patreon content uh, in regards to interviews. So that's very exciting. So thank you, Missy. And we're already disappointing you because we were going to answer your questions. And then we realized we are ill-informed to answer it in a way that would make sense to anyone. So we, we will get it back to you with a different question in the future. Yes, indeed. Yes. We want to, we want to keep an eye. And Missy, Missy is great. She is, she's a member of the USS Grand Petoskey crew on our senior staff. She is our ship's counselor because in, in real life, she is a licensed therapist and a wonderful one. And she has just been such a great friend, uh, both to the club and then obviously uh, to our network. So we are grateful for you. And of course, Sean Nias and his wonderful family uh, are, of course, as we talked about and gave them their their superpower. Oh, is Missy do a superpower as well? We're, we're, uh, we're prepared. We have not given her, but that's something we can start off. So, yes. So thank you, Sean, Stella, and Henry for continuing to support us. We appreciate it. I, we've got some feedback about your superpowers that you were given. Uh, I'm sorry there's no refund on those. So Yep, exactly. You, t- you take what you get. There you go. If you, if you are a mutant, sometimes you get a secondary mutation, which is a different power. Oh, there set. you go. So maybe in the future you'll be granted that as you go through puberty. Sean, it's too late for you, man. Yes, unless you start going Benjamin Button, it could be, you know, I I don't know. That's true. But Missy Merchant, let's see. Oh, boy, Charlie, a superpower. So, uh, you know, uh, we've already been criticized for our our pick. So um, we can each each pick one, and then Missy can then choose which one she thinks better better fits herself. So I'll go first. So, Missy, um, I am going to give you... The ability to pick your hairstyle. Ooh! Any everybody. any week, any time you can just change it. That's that's your superpower. So ultimately, you never have a uh, bedhead. Uh, you never have to worry about you know having a bad hair day. Um, I, although I don't know if it will always be the hairstyle exactly as you wanted. So it might be like I want long flowing hair, right. and then maybe you get a rat tail. Yeah, it could be. Yeah, absolutely. Sorry, I'm, fidd- I'm fiddling with my device here because it's misbehaving. I'm too loud. I'm too short. I'm too loud. I'm too short. Um, <laughs> but uh, I don't know. I don't know how that happened. My my power for Missy, now Missy is awesome, but she's one of my friends of a, a somewhat diminutive stature as, as far as height. So I say I think she should have the natural powers like uh, who was it uh, not uh, who was the the giant woman on super friends who she was on the the legion of doom was it titania giganta giganta i think she should have giganta's power i think she should be like and now i'm 25 feet tall and that way she doesn't have to look up to me anymore and if i piss her off she can just step on me squish there you go you got super growing powers you can be up to 75 feet tall which is just Holy like, crap. damn, that's like eight that, story that building. That never goes well, Charlie. That never <laughs> said, goes up to, well. Up to. I was going to say you could probably like give her an extra six inches. Like she has the, the ability to grow an extra six inches. 
It's not so bad. It's not so bad. So anywhere it's useful, between, it's useful, and uh, you know, no one's going to mistake you for a monster. So anywhere between six inches and seventy-five feet. You're welcome. <laughs> okay. It's it's the it's the worst of both worlds. Good luck, uh, Missy, with your superpowers. Use them, uh, and let us know which one you picked. Because yes, what exactly. you pick it can't go back. You got to you you got to pick it and stick. Did you with tell it. her though the other curses? The clothes don't grow with the person, so you oh, have to figure no. out in advance how will I get a seventy foot tall t shirt. Yes, exactly, or or just be comfortable roaming around buck naked, which uh, she lives in northern Michigan, and this time of year I don't think that it's would be cold. so advantageous. Cold. See, there's it's always a monkey paw curse to this. Exactly, so you've been warned. So- so, uh, speaking of things that may or may not uh, age well or just generally confusing, we have this week's comic book cover, and I picked this one, and I generally let Todd pick, but I was doing the flow this week, so I thought, you know what, let's go with a mold and oldie, and it was funny, it kind of reminds me of when we had our friend Kelly G on, she's been a contributor on the show twice, but and- the first time she came yeah. on, she was talking about um, comics history and comics from the you know 19, 1930s, 1940s, 1950s. So this is uh, the original Superman title, or, or excuse me, the, the first Superman in name title because the first Superman title was Action Comics and continues to be. Um, but this is issue 12 of Superman from October of 1941. And so this is actually before Pearl Harbor, which was you know famously the the entrance the full entrance of the united states into world war ii or what became world war ii um and you got superman walking arm in arm with a on on one arm is a sailor obviously from the united states navy on the other arm is a a soldier obviously from the united states army and they're just kind of stepping into whatever and todd your comment of which was oh yeah this was september october issue so two months it was a bi-monthly publication for 10 cents it was probably 200 pages. <laughs> Todd, and what, what? and 9,000 uh, thought bubbles. Exactly. And dialogue, H- dialogue bubbles, yeah. Hastily drawn. So, Todd, what, what does this image make you think of? I don't know. Um, I thought this is the first incarnation of the village people, to be honest. You think so? I think so, yeah. Um, because I don't know if the Navy guys had 85 pouches on right. their uh, belt. Uh, and they also were wearing spats. So spats are a very interesting thing. I don't know if spats were part of the uniform back in the day. Well, and that's a, the army uniform. That's obviously that's like that's a dre- or that's a dress or an office uniform, like a class A. They wouldn't have the pouches on those. And they wouldn't have the spats either, would they? Because it's like basically it's like a business suit, right? So Absolutely. like some, yeah, somebody sure. who's You're showing up the tribunal for for war crimes. That's what oh, of course. Wear. Yes. Well, super yes. superman could get you out of that. Or you yeah, have an you office know. job, or you're yeah. yeah, exactly. But yeah, you're like I said, the navy guy wouldn't have. The pouches, his uniform is kind of the wrong color blue. It's not dark enough. And, yeah, the spats are not. Because Navy guys wore – what's the footwear for a, for a sailor like that? I'm assuming it's some type of boot of some sort. Some ca- probably, probably steel toe for – you don't want to drop yeah. a bucket on your foot. So yeah. Yeah, Exactly. So, yes, for the – Oh, uh, no, maybe for, it's flippers. I don't know. It's for just walking around the ship. Flop, exactly. flop. Might for fall the guy in the water. Who, the, guy who's, the, guy who's, the guy who's chipping paint. Exactly. <laughs> Hard to do wearing your flippers. I don't know. You know what? Uh, military history veterans, uh, go ahead and add us at Secret Friends You over on Twitter uh, to let us know how badly we've obviously maligned uh, these military uniforms from the past. But you know what's funny? I look at the date, 1941. Um, our senior news correspondent, Madam Webb, was was getting into her she – was, she was 41 years old, 42 years old. Uh, cause we know famously that no 41, we know famously she was born on one, one, 
1900. Uh, so she was uh, in, an old spinster even then. But I'll bet even back then she was delivering those top news scoops down there at the, the corner of Hollywood and Vine in old Hollywood land town. Um, so let's go there now and let's find out what's going on with the news with Madam Webb. Now it's time for Madam Webb's rumors and news. Take it away, boys. Thank you, Madam Webb. As Charlie mentioned in your intro, um, I think, Charlie, if I remember this right, she, Madam Webb was actually like the senior Andrew sister, you know, the Bugle Boy company. They kicked her out. Like, Menudo, you got too old. Uh, Ooh, you don't, you don't get last. Right so there's a, yeah. So essentially, uh, she, just before they got famous, they kicked her out and they brought in a younger girl. So right. Madam Webb is still hoping to kick off her music career after all these years. So uh, we'll be yeah, waiting yeah. to hear about your viral TikTok uh, phenomenon song called I Got Old Problems. I was going to say that was bigger than her disgrace of getting thrown out of the Rockettes. Oh, my goodness. All right. What do we got up first here? Uh, get ready for a sequel to a prequel that was way behind its times uh, because the word is that the upcoming Thunderbolts film is being described as a sequel to the Black Widow film. This is a quote from Marvel Studios director of visual development. Well, there's a hot take. Okay. Who's the, what's his name? Bill Simpson. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Never heard of him, but um, the Thunderbolts are, we've talked about this on the show before, are famously um, the team of, you know, they're, they're not really approaching it this way, but it was a, it, it came along at a time with the heroes were born. This was the late 1990s when some of the heroes were transported to a pocket universe. So we lost the Avengers. We lost the Fantastic Four and they had their own crappy little titles for about a year. And then, so the, the world was without their big hero team. And then this, this hero team shows up and they're helping out. And it's at the end of the first issue of their own title, but which was not their first appearance. We did cover that, that it's revealed that they're actually villains in disguise. So this Thunderbolts has more of a vibe of the kind of the suicide squad. I'm thinking at least, I you know, kind so. of, Kind yeah. of way this is described. They're not masquerading got- as heroes to the public, I don't believe, unless that's their plan is to like have another team that is supposed to uh, fill the void of the Avengers and oh, gotcha. put in okay. that positive light. But maybe we find out later they're they have more nefarious, uh, you know, endeavors planned. So yeah, I'm right. not 100 sure. I mean, it's a team name that we all know, and the Thunderbolts have had how many inter- incarnations throughout a lot. since it's yeah. launched probably like six different versions and then sometimes they're yeah. like hero themed sometimes they're just a team um right. so i don't know gotcha yeah i mean yeah in in 25 years certainly they would because that's the way it works but yeah it's quoted here saying taskmaster red guardian elena and uh, val uh valentina allegra de fontaine who is of course uh veep agent <laughs> elaine Agent, Agent Elaine. Agent Elaine. So she's, I mean, it's a little bit more Suicide Squad because she's like, uh, what's her butt? Amanda Waller. Uh, but, I mean, they're not going to be running through and killing off these characters, but they still could, like, come along and give them all different names and stuff and say, these are your new heroes. But it's really, that's, it's really, it's a big flim flammeroo because we've also got, um, uh, who else we got lined up for that one? I believe they're going to bring Winter Soldier back. They're going to bring back John Walker as the U.S. agent. Um and so on and so forth. So, uh, but yeah, this is studio film and we're about 18 months out from this drop in July 26, almost exactly 18 months, July 26 of 2024, which I would imagine means it's in production right now. Oh, one disproved rumor was that ghost, the ghost character from Ant-Man and the Wasp. Oh, I thought she was shown in the, uh, the, like the, the poster or whatever the image for it. 
I'm sure it was crafty fan art because isn't that always the way that works? But yeah, that's that's oh, the deal. I mean, I'm interested. I enjoy a lot of those characters, and you know, if if they take a spin somewhere between the source material and um and like a Suicide Squad where it's it's jokey and fun, which Marvel is really good at, then I think it has a chance to be good. Yeah, they're even talking. There's potentially that there that the Sentry could be in this, and oh, the Sentry is such, <laughs> such a, a w- weird such character. a weird character. The fact that when they originally introduced the Sentry, they said, "Oh, this is an old character that Stan Lee created," and it was totally a lie. They just did it right. to like create some buzz, and then you find out Sentry is essentially Marvel Superman in some ways. Also, is haunted, cursed, mentally. Uh, unstable because of some type of was it the black void or something that was going to constantly get him that was a character that came around during a time when i wasn't reading comics but you know not only does that character just really makes it sound like homelander from the boys but also the avengers did that again about five years ago with a character called voyager which a female character Mm -hmm. that they went back there and it was using the projection. I can't remember if it was a cosmic cube thing, but she kind of projected everyone else's memories. And then they redrew like, here's the cover of Avengers one. And yeah, I remember characters, that. And she's back there. Yeah. So th- that was back in 2015, yeah. 2016. It's, so, yes. Yeah. So I don't know. That could add a wrinkle into the story. Once again, I don't know what they're going to do with this group, what their mission is, what their intent will be. But, um, you know, I liked a lot of the characters from uh, Black Widow and moving right. this to modern times and, you know, and bring this team together. Could be interesting. I don't know. I, it looks like we're going to get more and more movies from the MCU versus more that was been tipped to the, the TV series. So I think we're going to see probably more of the, the things go to movies rather than because I thought this was actually going to be just a TV series yeah. when it first was announced. I mean, you know, and, and to me, a, a team something in some ways, in some ways can make sense for a TV show or could be balanced between the both, but single character stories, you know, the, the big action piece seems great for a movie, but I don't know. It's a mixture. And they already introduced the characters. So it's not like they have to do the heavy lifting of introducing right. eight new characters in a two hour period. Cause that, yeah, exactly. Works. Cause that did not work for almost anything DC has done anyway. Yeah. Anyway. So what do we got next? This, this oh. one was yours. This was a last minute edition. Yeah. So this is, um, an interesting uh, story that's coming out about a franchise that has really had some issues um, over time. And that is uh, Tomb Raider. I mean, it started off in the, the uh, PlayStation one era. They had these games where Laura Croft, she's a, a Tomb Raider. She's looking for treasures. The games were hugely successful. Then they made a movie series with two movies with um, Angelina <laughs> Jolie um, oh being God. the lead character. Um, and then um, those the first one was, I think people enjoyed. Um, and then after that, uh, the second one, I never saw it actually. It, it was, was kind of too much of a bad thing that might end exactly. up on our, um, our bad trip to the movies that April show that April and I are going to do. I just, I, I though, though she really enjoyed it. So I don't know if I could probably porn spot. Uh, yeah. I, I don't remember anything specifically bad about them. They just were kind of a, of a time when it was, you know, that the, those late right. or early 2000 era movies. Uh, but then they, uh, re- they bought back the, the video game series. We kind of rebooted it and highly successful for the first two games. The third game mm-hmm. was not loved. And uh, they then brought in a new. Uh, movie oh yeah. Based Alicia, on that. Alicia, Alicia uh, Vikander, I think it was. Exactly. The, uh, yeah. And Queen that was, 
that was very faithful to the reboot of the video game series. So, um, but I think a lot of people just didn't didn't get a lot of buzz. I mean, I never saw it either, and I usually watch those things. So, right. hmm. so, so it was a it was a reboot that was faithful to the reboot. Exactly. Yeah. So there's talks about another reboot of Tomb Raider coming back. We'll see if that happens in the video game lens. But in this story is essentially um, a Hollywood reporter is reporting that a Phoebe Waller-Bridge is developing a Tomb Raider show for Amazon. Um, it's part of a larger deal with the company uh, where she's going to be producing projects. Uh, which is kind of amazing. I mean, Fleabag was kind of her debut. She is a very talented woman, does a lot of comedy and things like that. So I don't associate her with action adventure, but then she's going to be in the Indiana Jones movie. Um, right. So it's it's a weird take on uh, a, a person kind of being more than just what they appear on uh, a first glance. So um, there's not a lot of details on this, but it kind of makes sense. Amazon wants to get more content out there that has name recognition, uh, can bring in certain fans to their service that can spend the, what is Prime now, 100 and 50 bucks a year. Um, yes, it got enough. I thought it was 130, but it could be under oh, 30. But by the time exactly. I, I think it goes re- up all the time. Yeah. yeah, I think our renewal is in the summertime. So I guess I'll find out. Yeah. So, I mean, so we, this use is, it. Well, I mean, yeah, we use it. It's worth it, but still. <laughs> yeah. So Amazon doesn't, is, is in a weird place because they don't get ratings. They don't have to worry about this stuff. They, People pay to get deliveries and they view the extras as just that. So I don't think people, right. Amazon's in a weird place. And, uh, and just giving us this this content, which some of it's for in very high quality. I'm hoping this is 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 done well. Uh, the Rings of Power, they put a lot of money against that. A mm-hmm, lot of people liked mm-hmm. it. I enjoyed it. Um, but we'll see how this works uh, because at this point, um, it's it's hard to pull off something like this and have a good tone. I mean, we're seeing with The Last of Us and other video game properties, it's told successfully. They're done well. Um, this one though. There's not a lot of great source material. Tomb Raider was never known like for great story. It was yeah. shoot him up, escape the bad guys, run away. Watch her go pew pew pew, and then she had the the, the weird she had the weird cone shaped yes upper yeah. body yes. portion. The polygonal version had yes the the Madonna yes cone. exactly. Yes. I love that's always the meme that they say you know oh man the government faked the moon landing in 1969 and they show graphics in 1998 and they show that picture. <laughs> I don't think yep. so. That's how it works. <laughs> yeah. So um we like I said, th- this may happen, may not, but um this could be good once again, hopefully, because she's I think has a vision of quality that mm-hmm. if it's coming from her, I think we could expect good things. I mean, we have the same hope around uh what was it we were talking about last week about Donald Glover and the project. Oh, the hypno hustler. We're hoping that well, he's an artist, so hopefully he's not gonna sign on to something that will be garbage. <laughs> Money, please. Yes. <laughs> money. Yes. There's another great meme. Money. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Jenny Slate from uh, from uh, Parks and Recreation. All right, moving on. Uh, very near and dear to my heart. We're talking about the Fantastic Four. So there is a uh, solid intel. Again, this is a story from comic book movie, and you know some people love it, some people hate it. But at any rate, it has to do with Fantastic Four. Solid intel saying the main villain, main main villain, main villain uh, reportedly revealed, and Adam Driver remains in the running for Reed Richards. I like Adam Driver, um, but holy cow! I mean, this is going to be you know we've talked time and again about the Fantastic Four and the Odyssey to get them right on the big screen. Coming all the way from that 
Roger Corman thing from the '90s that never saw the light of day, but was kind of made out. It was kind of made out of spite, wasn't it? Just to just to I save think the they license had from the to do, Yeah, they had to yeah. make it, so they did it. Right. And I will tell you, for of the time, I thought it looked pretty good. For the I moment. agree. I liked uh, the uh, the graphic the uh, suit they did for uh, Ben Grimm for the thing. I thought that that was like really spot on. on uh, but anyway, <laughs> but anyway, then we 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 flash forward uh, another ten years. So we're in the aughts. And of course, Fox owned the license. Uh, so they made two films. I own Gruffold was uh, Reed Richards, and I thought he nailed it. Uh, don't really love the rest of the cat. Didn't love the portrayal of our beloved uh, Chris. Uh, I was not, not, not Chris Evans, not Chris Hemsworth, as, you know, Johnny Storm. And, you know, you had Jessica Alba at her peak was Sue. And uh, I loved, uh, was it Chickless? Uh, Chickless as uh, the thing. Perfect. But anyway, those movies were the first one was and eh, the second one was meh. So it, even though the second one stored, uh, starred as the Silver Surfer, Doug Jones, how, how are you going to put that down? Um, but yeah, then we jump to the 25, 2015 Fantastic Four and literally all no, we don't say about that. Yeah, we do. No, we don't. We don't talk about it- that. <laughs> yes, exactly. What? Who? No. Where? Oh, oh my! Yes, Doctor Strange cast a spell, and now it no longer exists. That's great. So anyway, uh, obviously, the Fantastic Four uh, acquired by Disney when they acquired Fox within the last few years, and so this is a movie that ha- is on the slate for um, for 2015. Um, so yeah, so that's the that's the current word, Todd. What what do you think about Adam Driver as Reed Richards? I mean, we know he is a he is an accomplished actor. He's a great actor. Do you think what you think he's got what it takes? Um, I think he does. Um, and there's others, you know, we, we've, you know, John Krasinski, RIP, his Reed Richards. Um, so maybe right. that was just, hey, we're going to please the fans, but we're not going to go that direction, which I think is perfectly fine. Totally. Um, it would be funny, though, if they cast uh, Emily Blunt as but not him <laughs> that'd be great i just love it yep make it happen because emily Blake right. is fantastic and she should be in the mcu uh right she was supposed to be originally supposed to be black widow i believe but uh that that changed um back in the day um yeah, so you. with this casting i think could work really well uh and driver is like you said he is he is very good at doing many different things he is not a one note actor um right. he's got a unique look and I think he could be a good foil for the role. And I think he brings a gravitas that Reed has. Reed is aloof, kind of his head is always somewhere else, like solving right. equations and fighting in the negative zone, even though if he's eating his breakfast, he's doing all those things right. at the same time. So I think he could pull that off. There's like a new movie he's in where he essentially plays a professor who is just not grounded, but he's got a family. So um, maybe that's why, because that role, it's like, oh, he should be in that too. Right. But they've got to make a cast uh, announcement soon because this movie is supposed to come out February 14th. Two years. So two years two from years. now. So they've got to film this damn thing. It's two years from release, not just when they're going to start filming. So they've got to get this thing like filming in the next six months to get it done, all the special effects to get this thing ready and in the can. So right, right, I'm, right. I'm, I'm curious when we'll hear more about this. I mean, the next big uh, Disney thing is going to be what? D23? It says, it says in here D23. That's summertime, yeah? Yeah. That's, yeah. that's but That could be the right time, though. Announce I, it. I, I, I would have filming to in October. Right. And the big, uh, yeah, exactly. The big uh, bad being tossed about is Galactus. And that's, you know what, that's perfect. Because Galactus was utterly misrepresented in that second film from 
from the aughts, the the rise of the Silver Surfer, because he was a damn space cloud, and it's just they, there's just there's no cause for that. Don't Charlie, don't. did they get that from Star Trek: The Motion Picture? Like Ooh. actually, Galactus was in the space cloud, but you didn't he see him a, because he, he was covered. But that was an angrier cloud. That looked like like it was a smoke cloud where the, you know, the V'ger cloud from Star Trek Motion Picture was very pleasant and it had all the lights and it was blah, blah, blah. I mean, you know, V'ger was, you'd, you'd want to hang out if you were inside the V'ger cloud because it's fun to look at. The Galactus smoke cloud, it's, just, so it's, just, it's just ugly. I just, okay. I didn't like it. I didn't like it. So this would be cool. So anyway, yeah, D23 being what I'm assuming in the summertime would, would be the very latest. But yes, I think we'll get that. And they also say that, uh, Penn Badgley, Amanda Seyfried, and Rudy Pankow are no longer in the ring. Don't know who he is. And Ryan Gosling, also out. They do remark that they're pretty sure that he will be Thunderbolt Sentry. Mm. Interesting. So that's a good casting. And then yeah. we still don't know who's going to be Doom. Doom will I be guess. a huge deal because Doom, Big, as we know, deal. he can be used across everything. He's not just right. the Fantastic Four's enemy. He is everyone's enemy. He, so. he is. He's he's the dude. So, okay. So, Todd, uh, this was we've talked about this a lot lately um, because both of us are really on the fence. I've watched a couple of the most recent season. I've had people, you know, running the Star Trek fan club. I got people who want to lump this all in like the Orville's like Star Trek used to be. And I'm like, I, I don't care. It's not Star Trek. Don't tell me it's Star Trek. Don't, you know, don't pee on my leg and tell me it's raining. But we're talking about the Orville. Um, uh, you know, it got snapped up uh, by by Disney, obviously. Um, in the Fox merger, it was shifted over to Hulu. They made another season that came out uh, last year. And it even just says right here, and it says the third season of the Orville, uh, which is Seth MacFarlane's homage to Star Trek: Next Generation. Just say it right there. Um, I, the show never clicked with me because Todd, I'm I'm of a mind with you that you know if I want to see something that's like Star Trek: The Next Generation, I'll simply go and watch Star Trek: The Next Generation, which I do for Code Forty Seven. Anyway, I don't really need to <clears throat> see Seth MacFarlane's vision of making his thing just be how many how many plots of tng can we jam into this one segment that being said people who don't in, embrace the newer direction that star trek is going in just think that this is this is all that in a bag of chips but did you ever end up watching any more of it i know you were on the fence i i watched uh the first parts of the first season i fell off because i'm like I, it doesn't i get the intention the execution to me was a big fail um, yeah. Then they said, hey, watch this episode. It changes everything. And it was like the one where you find out the the group of robots are actually killing everybody. This, right. this race of robots or whatever it was. I can't remember. They're so, yeah. unfortunately, a lot of these things are very bland and they don't stand out. Um, right. So, and I'm like, it didn't change everything for me. So I'm like, okay, that is good advertising with minimal effect. And I know they changed the, they added the semicolon New Horizons. And I really didn't know the purpose of that. So if I, maybe I'm dumb and I don't understand what why it would change to that unless they wanted it to stand out like hey, it's a new season. We're going to do that. Or it's or it simply simply yeah, it's simply set apart because it's new episodes as opposed to somebody scrolling through and oh, this is on Hulu now, but I've already watched all of it. So just keep scrolling. Yeah. Could be. I, I, but I mean, I, I think <clears throat> the intent was there's no new Star Trek right now. We don't know if we're going to get a movie. There's no TV series. This is a right. great thing to fill the void. And I thought that's what I think what initially like, this could be good. Right. Um, our worries were Seth MacFarlane. Right. <laughs> right. Know, exactly. and, you know, his and writing, I, his sense of humor, all those things will it work. Right. And in a lot of ways, he's he's a, he's a compatriot to myself. Big Star Trek fan. Grew up on TNG. You know, he's our age. We loved Family Guy early on. We both did. Don't you remember when we 
well, maybe or I'm thinking of when you and I first watched the first episode of South Park and we were just dying laughing. But Family Guy was kind of the same thing. When it came out the box, it was great, but it mm-hmm. just kind of wore out its welcome because it was the same. And it got canceled, then it came back, and it just got more ridiculous. And, uh, you know, yeah, that you're right. That whole first season of the Orville was just, it was, you know, it was it was the ridiculous meter. How ridiculous can we make it? And then he bounces back and tried to make it a little bit more serious. And it just, like I said, I am happy it's my comfort food to go back and watch TNG. Love growing up with it. We talk about it over on Code 47 as we rotate through the classic series because that's what we do. But there's, you're right. There's nothing about the Orville that's special or wonderful. It's the same reason that I don't think April and I continue to watch the new version of Quantum Leap because there's just nothing special or awesome about it. Yeah. This so, is like the Transmorphers. Um, it is. It's it, it's very much. And then when, you know, the other thing that drives me nuts and even the source material of this article is that they report about this on trekmovie.com, which is a good, solid Star Trek news website. But leave that Orville stuff on. That's not Star Trek. Well, you know what I mean? It homages to it. I think that's why they do it. Because, like, fill the gaps. It's 24 new hours. Like, although, Charlie, I would say I would have rather gotten the Galaxy Quest series than the Orville. I agree. It was funny. We were having that exact same conversation because Gal- I brought up Galaxy Quest uh, at our, our last in-person meeting of, of our Star Trek fan club chapter because somebody was talking about the Orville. And I said, you know, you know, I said all the things that pretty much we said right now. And, he, and I said, I think Galaxy Quest would have been a much better fit. And then April hits me out of nowhere and says, I never really cared for that movie. I was like, oh, you never really cared for the Galaxy Quest? I was that was that was news to me. I love Galaxy Quest, and I, I know it's I know it's very special. And that's how homage to TOS versus TNG. Totally get it. And exactly. you know what? And and they may get another series. Right now, Seth MacFarlane says not sure. Nothing's been talked about it. But to a lot of people, maybe this is something they love that Star Trek never got to them, but they love a more modern show that's, you know, because TNG is now very old. Maybe True. they like this. Better graphics, you know, special effects, whatever they like in regards Could to be. that manner. And maybe they like the the jokey sense of humor. I don't know. I'm not going to say you shouldn't watch this show. I'm just saying it wasn't for me because right. it was trying to do something. I felt like it it didn't succeed in my mind, but other right. people may love it. No, I agree. I agree. So kind of interesting, this last story, because I have always been willy-nilly about Doctor Who. We know that that John, who is our founding secret friend, is big Doctor Who guy. I know that you watch him, and every once in a while you'll, you'll drop a, hey, it's coming back, whatever it is. With the advent of our, of our Patreon content and uh, of my The Facts of Geek, Geek Life show, which I'm doing now, first episode is out now, second episode is going to be out uh, pretty quickly, uh, I have reached out to various people you know, in the community that we worked with, and I, I say pick, pick a show, pick a season, pick a handful of episodes, and let's discuss. And uh, we've been trying to get John back doing this again, and he's like, oh, no, it's just not for me or whatever it is. But when I said, hey, would you come on and do a Doctor Who with me? You pick the season. You pick the episodes. Um and, and we'll roll with it. And he was all over it. He gave me he gave me some like five episodes. I've watched two of them, and I just absolutely loved it. And it was a series nine with Capaldi, which mm. I just I just totally dug. It was really it was the first two episodes of, of series nine. Um, so you know, and I said, John, I said we can just keep this rolling. So now I, I'm a little bit more invested in Doctor Who. Uh, I'll say it for sure. And Todd, you've continued to watch, so you have a little yeah. bit more uh, of an informed um, opinion on it. But uh, they've got a new showrunner. Uh, Russell T. Davies, who is more interested in embracing kind of a world building franchise Star Trek bent of having kind of multiple shows, because that's something that obviously since 2017, when Discovery came along uh, on 
CBS All Access, which then became Paramount Plus, they have different shows, shorter shows, 10 episodes or 13, 16 in some cases, doing different things in different time periods. And it's kind of like something for everybody. So um, rap to me. What, what do you think about the concept? Well, what, what could they do? Well, Russell T. Davies, he was kind of the person that got Doctor Who back. I mean, yeah. oh. and, and he left. He left and went on to do other things. Uh, he came back. Um, this is him coming back now to it. So I think maybe it was good because he's like, I needed a break because he was at Doctor Who from 2005 to 2010. Um, oh, gotcha. okay. And so he covered a lot of the really, you know, a lot of, you know, a lot of the really strong doctors that we got. He also did um, that Sherlock show with mm-hmm. um, Cumberbatch. So he's a really successful uh, producer and creator and writer. Um, and he also did a sp- he did several spinoffs of Doctor Who when he was on that thing. He did Torchwood, which is very cool. A different oh, yeah. Take record. And he also did the Sarah Jane Adventures, which was more of a, a, a younger audience show. So he took Sarah Jane, who was a, 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 a like a companion from the past, brought her yeah. forward, teamed her up with K9, who is the, you know, the doctor's. Oh, the, know, do- robotic, the, the robot yeah. dog. Yeah. Yeah. Which is so, great. Cause it's just a box with a head and a tail that goes. Wah, 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 exactly. So he's done the <laughs> expansion. It just didn't, I mean, it didn't like Torchwood stopped after, I think two season, three season, which I really enjoyed. Um, right. And then um, Sarah Jane, I think that got two to three um, mm-hmm. seasons maybe, but very fun. I enjoyed it quite a bit. Um, and the fact that when we say Star Trek, I mean, Doctor Who predates pretty much is the precursor for sci-fi and TV. Um, mm-hmm. it, it predates Star Star Trek, but I think where Star Trek and Doctor Who are, are good, uh, uh, I guess, peers is you can reboot it. You can, you can right. continue it forward because you can do that every time there's a new Doctor. Vast it's majority new, of characters. Yeah. And, and he's a time lord, so he's here, he's there. Yeah, the yeah. first two episodes we watched had to do with um God, I'm gonna forget Davros and uh, and who was his arch nemesis, and he was the guy that created the Daleks, and and they did a whole thing based around there. But it wasn't, and again, John and I are gonna talk about this. You'll hear it on a first uh, future episode of the Patreon show. You know, it was when Davos was a child, the Doctor had a chance to save him, and he didn't. And then they go through, you know, he loses his faith, and they go through a whole this whole thing, and uh, at the end of it, he goes back, and spoiler alert, he does save the kid. So he, you know, it's just. It, but again, that show traveling through time and then Star Trek has very much become that as well with Discovery leaping forward and, you know, you know they, they leapt forward like a plot line between the Vulcans and the Romulans having become one people. And yep. they, they brought together Spock's mission, which was from back in the time of the next generation and finally, you know, brought that group back into the Federation. It was, you know, that's the beauty of having this huge patchwork of different places and corners and it's something that that star wars is doing now to to, people look at it with different different very you know varying levels of success don't talk to todd about the clone wars clone wars clone wars clone wars (laughs) the bad batch and wanda sykes and you know we're just we're not but but star wars seems to be set in a focus so much in one era versus they're trying different eras which you know maybe they'll get there i'm hoping they think so i'm hoping they've got to because how much more can they you know until they're like well every day between episodes four and six we've got it documented and they're, they're getting there well they're trying to they want a second season of obi-wan which i'm like oh God, it, please no like i said God, there, there's just, there's ways you can make it. that work but i don't know if they'll go there because i think they are too worried about upsetting fans and they want to mm-hmm. give more of what they want which is oh they need to run into this guy we saw in one scene of the bar in episode one <laughs> right whatever. oh it was yeah. the, it was the guy with the it was the wolf man the guy with the horns he needs exactly. his own series but yeah, um so I mean, anyway 
But you can explain away Doctor Who so much in a lot of the phrases, like one of the favorite phrases, it's a big ball of wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey stuff. So Doctor right. Who doesn't take their canon as seriously. They can play around with it. They can they can meet up with other doctors. They can right. uh, have the doctor was here and he did this. And, and the, it's set up for like spinoffs like you wouldn't believe. I mean, right. a, a previous companion can have a show. You can meet mm-hmm. an organization like uh, Torchwood was spinoff, Dr. Jack Harkness. Yeah. Um, he basically showed German. up. Yeah. Yeah. And he showed up and that's how you got Torchwood. Um, bring back and don't come in. So I think it can be that. Um, and the big part is Doctor Who is going to be part of the Disney family. So, um, right. that, so is, this, that was a big announcement. So they've got to get right. more money. It's not just the BBC. And more money. So that could be good <laughs> or bad because some people said, I don't like X since Disney took it over. So I don't know. I'm hoping it has good creative control. Russell Davies has created some of the best Doctor Who. Um, and there's been other creators as well. Um, and so this is probably, I think, uh, a move with him coming in saying like that and expanding it. Um, this is the first time Doctor Who has really done this, except when Russell T Davies was on it and did it before, but it, that was kind of short lived. And I don't think those shows really, um, were hyped and put out as much as, uh, potentially we'll see with new stuff. Right, right, right. So, well, cool. All right. Well, that is the end of the news. We shall bid adieu to our delightful Madam Web. But it is time to get out uh, that my phone. Got to get the the Fuber, the Feeble Uber app up because we're going down to Skugtown. Talk about Nastyville. The Geek Easy awaits. Talking about things we dig. So let's go. Talk nerdy to me. Talk nerdy to me. We're sitting in the Geek Easy, drinks are poured, cover band's playing, and we are ready to get our nerd on. So, Charlie, tell me about a movie. A uh, movie? Uh, any movie? Sure. Well, start, starting back in the, the 1900s, they had the Nickelodeons that you could watch. No, okay, I'm not going to do that. So, uh, everybody loves Jerry Butler or Gerard Butler. Um, probably that's not true. But anyway, he had a new movie. We saw this tra- <laughs> When did we see this trailer? Like a couple of months ago, it's one of these like, all right. They yeah, I think it was somebody put in the discord and yeah, like, it's like there's zero the name. There's zero buzz. Yeah, you're right. The, the, and what I found out about the name of this is that the name of this was I think the studio didn't want to use it. But Jerry Butler was like, nope, got to be that. Got to be that. And it's plain <laughs> P.L.A.N.E. Not they couldn't I-N. they couldn't pay for the air. You're right. So exactly. Plain. You know, and not even I think, the plane, Charlie. Not I think the plane, you, the plane. I think if you spelled it as plane with an I N, that would probably be an apt description because this movie was. And it's funny because at the early buzz when it came out was like, oh, people are really saying this is a great this and thing or that thing, or at least that's what I thought. But we did. We went to go see it, and I, I'm sure you get a lot out of the trailer. You know, Jerry Butler is a veteran um, pilot. Um, who, you know, he's, he works for a, a dirt airline because he got himself in trouble some years back by, you know, punching out an unruly, uh, uh, uh passenger, fl- passenger on, on another, on, on a nicer airline. So he's, he's flying out of Singapore and he's, he's flying like a, you know, a, a red eye flight in his, you know, his daughter is waiting for who, his daughter, who's a school, you know, a college ages waiting to meet him for new year's in, uh, Honolulu, which is where he's supposed to end up. But, you know, he leaves out a single and it's a very empty plane. There's only like 10 people on it. And of course they went like, you know, very stereotype heavy, like here's the, here's the British guy and here's a Swedish girl and here's an obnoxious American and here's a blah, 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 this thing or that thing. And then you have an FBI guy with a, 
prisoner in shackles who happens to be Mike Coulter, who is a Luke Cage, Cage. Luke Cage. Um, and it, it, with a weird military background, he's like, oh, this guy was on the run. But, you know, you find out later on that he was in the French Foreign Legion, which I wouldn't have picked out there. And he's a train killer and blah, blah, blah. So anyway, what happens is, you know, Jerry Butler and full spoiler, sorry, Jerry Butler. And, and he's got a co-pilot who's, a, you know, local. So he's from, you know, he's, 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 he's Asian. They're flying and their plane gets, you know, they, they know they're going to be flying through some weather, but they're told to fly through it because it would save time and money and blah, blah, blah. Well, the plane gets struck by lightning and somehow Jerry Butler manages to land it before the batteries die and everything and and they fall out of the sky on this unmarked island in the Philippines. Well, guess what? It's an unmarked island that's also run by terrorists and separatists and blah, blah, blah. And then it turns into, you know, how's Jerry Butler? Jerry Butler runs off to try to help out or try to find help. And then they discover obviously being run by these separatists and stuff and it turns into a big shoot him up. He, Oh, he and Mike Coulter. So he says, okay, well, prisoner guy, you come with me and we're going to go off into the woods and find help together. And I'm like, that just doesn't seem really very smart. Um, but anyway, you know, it turns out Mike Coulter's not such a bad guy after all. And he's helping Jerry Butler out. And then he's fighting the terrorists. M- meanwhile, the, the airline is on top of it and they send in, um, private security to help them and it's just a big explosions and blah 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 and what's great about the plane is he lands it and it's intact and they do some fiddling with it and they're able to take off again it's amazing the <laughs> thing they all with- they took that uh, online course for airplane repair yeah you actually did see the co-pilot with his phone out watching youtube being like okay do i know <laughs> but anyway youtube we'll get you out this so was many, so many snafus this movie was a big shoot 'em up. It's uh, pretty much, you know, it, it was not, uh, you know, April and I went and saw it on Thursday or something. And we were like, you know, it's pretty much what you would expect. You know, Jerry Butler has been in, uh, I mean, the, the, the heyday of his career was, oh, even the kid who's selling us a ticket said, yeah, it's a lot like, what are some of those movies he was in? London's Falling or Olympus is Rising. Or President's what, Dead. Um, yeah, President. Yeah. So he says. It's like, crap my pants. <laughs> No, that's from SNL. He's oh. like, well, it's like that, but it's not as good. So I'm like, well, I haven't seen that, and this isn't that good. So what does it say about that first movie? I'm not sure. But anyway, you know, it's a it's a shoot 'em up. April enjoys the action movies and the shoot 'em up. So I'm like, yeah, all right. So you know what? We enjoyed ourselves, and again, because we go to our local theater chain and and we have you know a prepaid movie thing, we can go see. We can go see movies completely guilt free. We couldn't be like, oh, I wasted my money seeing that piece of crap. But anyway, it was um it was worth seeing it. Would I recommend it? If you enjoy that kind of stuff, if you like, if if you like Jerry Butler being very Jerry Butler, like he has a, he has a Scottish accent, but he said he was in the R the RAF as a youth. Now, isn't that the, isn't that the, uh, the air force Royal in air England? Force. Yeah. So, but he could have, yeah, I'm not sure how that works. With, yeah. yeah. I'm not sure if it's like, Oh, you know, great Britain says, Oh, we'll take you in and you can serve in, uh, yeah, right. The RAF or not. I'm not sure how that works either. Um, but anyway, but yes, yeah. appar- apparently their ass kicking training is second to none because he was just he was tearing the place up. Well, good for him that uh, he gets to use his accent. Yes, I love. Yes, he uses accent throughout. And so he didn't have to fake it. So anyway, enjoyable, but not not exactly, you know, rocket science or setting the world on fire. But if you enjoy that kind of stuff, go for well, it. You know, no Oscar nomination, man. That's I know for playing what I call I, I, I took a, a page from the weekly planet book and i called it plane the movie about a plane so you can go out there and enjoy it oh oh my gosh and then second of all todd obviously we're going to talk about this together last of us 
Uh, episode two was out last Sunday. We're getting episode three this evening. I am super duper hooked on this show. And this was a great one, Todd. Now, they did they did something original, kind of a little, they did a flashback to the beginning, which really gave you some nice background. Talk to me about that. Yeah, they're doing that. They did the first episode with, um, you know, Brother oh, Mummy. Uh, right. The, the, uh, Mr. Mummy from the 60s? Mummy, yeah, mummy so from the 60s? They're doing these nice little overlays to really add some more flavor that's unique to the TV series. So we had them talking about cordyceps and, and then in the 1960s talking about potentially something bad could happen. And obviously, right. fast forward. The first episode we Whoops. got – and it's funny because a lot of people were, were trying to figure out, well, how did this spread? Um, and then we kind of figure out, now we are told how it spread because in right. the first episode we saw people were eating like baked goods or things with flour. And then like most of the- Oh, the, these flour the tortilla cast, chips are so yeah, tasty. Like, <laughs> like, like, uh, like um, you know, Joel's daughter was offered cookies and said, no, I don't. And um, so we, we kind of had a feel like maybe there's something there, but we weren't sure. And this one definitely confirmed those rumors. So spoilers right. for anybody who's watching The Last of Us and not caught up to episode two. By the time you listen to this, though, episode three will be out. So yeah, um, you see about that, a week that's, a, that's always the thing I figure, that somebody's really into it, they're just watching it when it comes out. Exactly. You know and I mean? it's not, it's not going to really ruin anything for you, but this one really opens up in Jakarta and you find out... Um, back in 03, yeah. Yeah, back in 03. And this woman is... is brought in and you find out oh she's a scientist she's a i think a microbiologist or something like that mycologist and, yeah kind of yeah, like kind of like you know kind, and it's funny funguses spores exactly which is funny because as she's doing her thing she pulls out um some of the um the spores mycelium, or the, uh, yeah. the mycelium which is what yeah. powers the spore drive on discovery i love that i love maybe that this fact. is the precursor this is how it became charlie we'll, we'll never know uh oh! Well, but everybody didn't turn into a clicky monster. Well, they had to get past the the, the beta phase, <laughs> <laughs> but the, the beta test. Yeah, so you find out that the outbreak happened at a flour mill, and some workers um, basically started showing the symptoms. Some some escaped, but they had one body left, and uh, the doctor starts looking at it and pulls out these the the, the tendrils, the mycelium, mm-hmm. and she freaks out. So right. that's kind of all we got from that era. But it's once again, it's layering pieces in flashback to tell us kind of how we got where we did, which is cool. I love it. It's not like we need a prequel right. like series of 85 episodes to tell right. us how we got there. I love the conclusion of that where this woman, you know, very stone cold sits down with the with the, you know, the, the Indonesian general. And she's like, yeah, we're you're just going to have to you're going to have to bomb the hell out of the city um there's there's no way to stop this other than killing people so i'm just gonna go home and you do what you got to do knowing that she's just gonna go home and her her neighborhood will be carpet bombed at some point in the future because i'm sure she's absolutely right but how sobering to think that you know same thing happened in the walking dead you know if you watch early they had some flashbacks early on where our main characters were trying to get out of where they lived and they were headed towards Atlanta because they thought the CDC was there and they're watching Atlanta and the distance just burst into flame as they were just rolling napalm through the streets, just trying to wipe out the infected and it just, they just couldn't keep ahead of it. But what's interesting jumping forward in the series. So we're picking off, uh, we're picking up from where episode one left off because they're trying to get Ellie to wherever it is that she's supposed to Me go. With the fireflies. And, yeah. She's right. Exactly. That group. Yeah. But you, you hear the, uh, and what's the, what's the, the, uh, the, the late, the girlfriend's name. Tess. 
Tess. Tess is saying, you know, hey, you know, early on, the kind of reference back to what the what the Indonesian scientists talked about, you know, they 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 bombed whole cities in order to contain the spread, and they did a pretty good job here in Boston, um, which is probably why they were able to create that quarantine zone. But then you find out that obviously, you know, the the clickers, and we finally get our first beautiful view of what the clickers look like twenty years on, and holy cow. These things are nutty. And yeah, it, right away, uh, you know, Joel lets us know that the clickers can hear, but they can't see. So you can try to flashlight, the, you know, on their face and they're not going to hear you. But yeah, if you're making a you note, know, they're, they're basically the, uh, they're the, the T-Rexes from Jurassic Park. You just got to be very, very quiet. Um, but it was, I mean, just crazy special effects. Because yeah, the head of all these clickers just looks like a, a blown up piece of fungus and you look at the the arms and the appendages and they they just have those little those little you know you'll see like like little little like mushrooms growing out of them and it's just really impressed by the by the makeup stuff there's no doubt about it yeah um and they they did i mean this did a very good job of diverting a little bit but part but still following the game as i played um and the they definitely added the scare factor of the clickers and they get far worse. That's the thing. It's like, we're just at the tipping point of where we're going to see how bad this can get. Um, They did add in the new layer of how they are connected in a network. Mm -hmm. And right. That was really cool. And the tendrils are really a bigger thing now than just the spores Um, in the game. You're all constantly wearing like gas masks um, to protect yourself from spores. In this mm-hmm. instance, it's it's which I don't know if they'll play more into that, but it looks like the tendrils going into you are a bigger deal. So, um, which we have a horrific scene with Tess and oh uh, yeah, right before she makes her water yeah. makeout scene. Ooh, yeah, no means no, no means no clicker. Yeah. <laughs> it was yeah. gnarly. Um, but yeah, what a great setup. And Todd, you tipped me off. Uh, and and uh, you know, listeners, if you've not caught this, as you watch the show, there is obviously uh, there's little five minute making of vignettes which are great to watch but there's also you know on the next episode so the one that we're seeing tonight which by the time you listen to this hopefully you you may have already seen it uh nick offerman joins the cast so i'm excited about that oh he's terrific ron swanson himself yeah i I love the behind the scenes though it's game of thrones did it so well that kind of layers on extra information you might not have got which is great and they're doing that again so i it's one of my favorite things in the world versus like when the series is over and they do that because i feel like it's it's nice to have that right after that. Really, this is what we did in this episode. So it kind of gotcha. gives you more context and gets me more excited about what's going to come next. But yeah, gotcha, absolutely. Gotcha. And that, Charlie, actually reminds me of like when we talked about the – so one of our Patreon projects coming up, as you're going to talk about this, is you know you, you launched a week one of um, Buck Rogers. Yeah. And what I love about Buck Rogers, which I didn't realize they did it, they basically give you like the – um, the the kind of the recap of what's gonna happen in the episode right oh, before the, it. I, I call it the 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 pre preview, which I, so yeah, weird, I love that. I'm like, Did this already happen? No, this is just telling us what's gonna happen. Yeah, I know, and, and I hadn't. It was funny when I started watching it when we did the first segment. I was like, "What is what is?" This? I thought I missed something. I'm like, "Did we? Yeah, is it a like, two parter?" Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I thought I'm streaming. How do they do this? So, oh, real quick, one last thing because we shared that. I'm gonna I'm gonna toss one in there. We started watching and it's on Peacock, but it's called Poker Face with. Uh, oh yeah, well, I was gonna watch that too. Call her Natasha Leggero, but it's Natasha Leone. Yeah. Um, and it's great. She's just the she's this this kind of ne'er do well, kind of down on her luck uh, woman who is a human lie detector, and she becomes an amateur sleuth. Uh, we watched two episodes. I think there's four out now. It's new every Thursday on Peacock. It's Peacock original, if I'm not mistaken. And she is just. I've always 
I've always enjoyed her going all the way back to the slums of Beverly Hills in like the late 90s. And then, of course, she was in the American Pie films or some of them. And then Orange is the New Black. And she is just she's got that great gritty like like, you know. You know, cigarettes. She started smoking at the age of 12. Yeah, exactly. But (laughs) she's had a really hard life. She has her ups and downs with addiction and being out of rehab. So it's nice to see her having a little bit of a career renaissance where she's, she's hopefully in a better place, but I think she's great. And the the show is, is fun. Like I said, we watched. Is it? Okay. I was wondering like, is it it more like a Columbo or something where it's kind of like a jokey solved crime of the week? Yeah, it's, it's jokey, but you know, in typical parlance, it's kind of, it's kind of, you know, there are some, you know, a little harder edge moments and it's okay. a little bit more with the language and stuff. So yeah, she's not quite so like, I oh, you still love Columbo because the end he was a great guy. She's not super great, but she's still, she's got kind of that. I want to do the right thing kind of sure. vibe. So yeah. yeah so I would, I hero. Yeah. Yeah. I would, I would recommend it. All right. So, and I said that was quick and I meant it. So now it's on you. Yeah, so um, I'm going to add an, a bonus. Uh, just let everybody know an update on the Paul T. Goldman saga. Oh, yes. It is wrapped up. Um, six episodes, so it's a pretty good watch. Uh, this show is like a roller coaster. Finished it. it. It builds you up in thinking one thing, and then something else happens. And it's a really good, and it's it's by the folks who did Borat, which made me think, well, is this going to be like, like at, we're going to find this is all fake and this is not really about a real person. Nope. So um, I don't want to give too much away, but I would say it's very satisfying. It deals with reality and the impact of people very well. Um, this is uh, Seth Rogen, uh, executive produced this as well. And they do some really good blending of like, as this was happening and then after it happened and recapping it, um, it it's not mean spirited. But it mm-hmm. does cover some things in a way that kind of reveal about all of us thinking we're the hero. When a, in I, some instances, I, I learned something today. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Ultimately, right. like you know what? When you only see your perspective, sometimes you know you are you're a jerk. So it, it made me reflect on like, yeah, maybe I should look outside myself and say, how was my impact on people in the world? Maybe I'm not the hero I always want to be because I always say, be the hero, not the villain. Sometimes the villain doesn't always think he's the villain. Sometimes he does. But, and let's let's not forget that no matter. How good of a guy you are! You're always the villain in somebody's story, and I could tell Absolutely. you right off the top. Of, tell you right off the top of the others, head. So you may think yeah. it wasn't a big deal, and I can tell you right off the top of the head whose villain yeah. I am. But uh, you know, I do the exactly. best I can. Yeah, you know, <laughs> nobody's perfect. You know, uh, the only perfect Todd, person is th- Arthur Fonzarelli. I think, so. I think you meant Poe Buddy's Nerfect in Australia. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Arthur Fonzarelli. If we could all be the Fonz, you know, that's oh, really you're right. Me like, hey, oh, well. hey. Um, so yeah, check out Paul T. Goldman. It, it was really well done. I think Peacock's really raising his bars. Like you said, Poker Face, mm-hmm. this, um, yeah. I think, and they 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 did say that uh, they are doing well. Yeah. Uh, so that's good. So That's good. Uh, good it job, means you can, you can expect more. So that's good. Way to go, Peacock. All right, what's this other thing you got here? So Lockwood & Co. is a uh, new series on Netflix. It's British. Um, it is um, Joe Cornish is behind the show. It is based on a series of books. And Joe Cornish did Attack the Block. He did other things. Attack the Block is a great movie, Charlie. You should watch. Um, it is I, essentially. I've seen it. I, I think I saw it. it. Okay. Yeah, it's What's yeah. His Face. It's yeah. uh, Finn from Star Wars. Yeah. yeah, great movie about alien invasion in kind of the hood in London. Uh, very good. This is by, it's basically he's executive producing the series based on the books. And this is kind of a cool premise. Um, it's it's a younger set. So these are like the main characters of the show are all under 20. And it revolves around the fact that there has been a event that happened that essentially 
had the supernatural, everyone is aware of it. And it is a problem that has to be managed by these special organizations. So one of them is called Lockwood and Company. And you find out the reason why these, why youths are selected is because they're more open to supernatural phenomenon. The older you get, you lose that connection. Um, mm-hmm. So they, 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 they basically recruit these children with um, sensitivities and uh, uh, essential capabilities to manage these threats. And they're managed by an organization. They're sent out like on jobs and everyone is aware of this. So this is like if the Ghostbusters went on to become like, like legit and had right. agencies across the world. So the, great the, these kids had certain sensitivities, but then they age out. So it's like Menudo. Like uh, what so we far, about I, earlier? yeah, we haven't gotten to that part yet, but I, uh, but I yeah. assume that's probably what it is. You only have so many years of service you can have, and maybe you go onto the organization as like an executive, but not an operative. Um, oh, and nice. it's neat. They do pr- some pretty good. So right now we're in kind of like the, um, we're learning about the main characters. Uh, basically the one, I, I don't know if you call her main character because there's really three main characters. So they're all kind of equal, but she's been the main person we focused through. Her name is Lucy. And she had, she basically was in an organization was rising up in the ranks and had a terrible tragedy. And she essentially was blamed for it. So disgrace, she's looking to uh, make something of herself. And that's kind of what leads her to join the Lockwood and company uh, team. And it's, it's highly entertaining. Watch the first two episodes. Um, just, came out on uh, Friday, so a week ago when you're listening to this. Um, I like it. I think it's it's managed very well um, from a uh, good sensibility. Uh, it's not like romance and you know, the teen stuff, really. It's really about just young people stepping up to the challenge, and the special effects are pretty good, too. So, um, And there, I think there's going to be an ongoing mystery through it. I'm not sure if this is going to be a one-and-done or where it is. It's Netflix. It could be. But um, I like it. So uh, they, check out they, Lockwood and they Co. Do, they do tend to have that reputation of the one and done. Oh, my goodness. All righty. Well, that's it for the Geek Easy, Todd. Time to time to stiff them on the tab yet again because my grilled cheese was not grilled uh, and my drink was very watered down. So you know what? Forget them. Uh, but I'm going to get out that Air Qantas app. It's time to get to the land down under. The mutants are waiting for us in the Thunderdome with a topic or a game. So let's go. To another edition of Thunderdome! Thank you, Tina. We're sitting in the Thunderdome where the mutants have been gathered for a topic in our game to be entertained. And this week we're doing a topic, and this one was uh, trying to figure out the best way to, to place this in a, a good discussion. But um, as we are watching The Last of Us, uh, we know it is based on a limited set of source material. And when you have any property you try to adapt and expand and find success... You want that success to last as long as possible, unless you're like, nope, we're two and done, that's it. Very rarely do you get that. Uh, The last time I think I saw that was Watchmen on HBO. They said Mm -hmm. we're doing one season, and that's all they did, even though it was highly successful. Um, So with that, um, it makes me think about what, um, if if we've got any good examples of, or, or bad examples of where the source material was stretched or a show was stretched beyond its boundaries, to keep uh, the quality up and keep people entertained and not let the, uh, you know, the, the dollars over yes, uh, not let the, the, the actual, uh, you know, the, the, right. It's the best way to put it. It's, it's kind of like your integrity, right? You know, integrity right. of a, a, an idea versus, you know, the, the bank. Integrity. I think, you know, and I think we've come up with three good examples uh, here and I won't name them, but I'll, I'll, I'll say, so we have one that was a movie 
that became a show. We have a book that became a show that outlasted the material, but then bounced back into a prequel that is now very well loved. And you have a third one that's a book series that the adaptation did, and maybe I'm mistaken, didn't really adapt a book or the books in such a fashion, just simply became a concept that has been evergreen. If I'm not mistaken. Um, I believe they did adapt the books. Um, okay. Although I'm not sure if every James Bond movie, and it's getting back to this whole thing, I'm not sure if right. every James Bond movie has always been based on a book. Right, exactly. Sense. So, like and, 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 and you don't have to necessarily, I mean, I, I had no awareness until I found out that, until I found a stack of Ian Fleming books in my grandparents' basement, because my grandfather loved those books. My dad read those books. I had no idea it was based on a book. I just know, oh, it's James Bond and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then mm-hmm. from the 60s, then it was another dude and this and that. But but let's start from the start. So we'll start with the first one I mentioned, which was a movie that became a beloved television series. And we're talking about MASH, which was Robert Altman's 1970 film about the Korean War, which it was, it was a great little bookend because it had to do with our main characters arriving. You have Dr. Hawkeye Pierce, which is Donald, Glo- Donald, Donald Glover. Donald, Donald Sutherland. Wow, he looks good for his age. I know, isn't it amazing? Then he also had uh, Tom Skerritt, who is a character who didn't make it into the, the, the later television Elliot show. And then you, and Elliot Gould was Trapper John. And then you had uh, Sally Kellerman was Hot Lips Houlihan. And you, I think you had Robert Duvall was uh, was Frank, uh, the, the uber-religious one. And it was just, yeah, they were just a bunch of wacky surgeons. And MASH is, of course, more mobile army surgical hospital. So it was about frontline surgeons in, in Korea. <clears throat> Um, and Eli has said it was a film that, you know, it began with him coming in and it, I think it was Oscar li- nominated as well. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was, it was spectacular. I love that song. movie. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Suicide is painless, which then became the, uh, the theme of the television show without the lyrics. Um, cause I know you wouldn't be singing about suicide every, you know, to kick off a sitcom, uh, every week. Um, uh, but yeah, that was on, <clears throat> as I said, it came out in 1970. And then I think the show circled back to beyond in 1972, so just a couple of years later, uh, launched with Alan Alda in, in the lead role as uh, <clears throat> as Hawkeye Pierce, uh, and then we we had the his his side man was oh I'm sorry, and then we had uh, Gary Burkhart as Radar O'Reilly, who was the the camp secretary, as it were, uh, who was in both the film and and then later in the television series. And again, I'm ripping ripping all this off of memory. Um, we had in the show. Um, Trapper, Trapper John was that refresh me about the whole because there was the there was the one dude who was there and then the other and then the other dude took over. Yeah, tra- Trapper John, um, played by um, oh, Larry Larry, oh, what's his name? I can't remember. Larry something or other. We'll just put it that way. Um, oh yes, Larry. Yes. Oh, no, sorry, Wayne Rogers. Um, Wayne Rogers. And, there you go. Yeah, and it's funny because they did take. Uh, and, and I was just looking at this. Basically, MASH is based on a novel about three army doctors by Richard. Okay, Hooker. there you go. So, so, so it is a an novel that became a movie that became a TV series. So once again, a, a triple, you know, with, and then, with several with several spinoffs, including After MASH and wasn't Trapper John MD also a sitcom? Uh, it was. It was weird yeah. because it was actually not. It wasn't of a sitcom. It was actually a. Is it drama? Uh, medical drama. Like a medical, oh, oh, you see, I, yeah, I don't know that I've ever, I don't know that I've ever seen it. His name. Yeah. Uh, and then we did get after mash as well. Right. As a sequel to that where it was post, uh, Korean war. Um, right. and they did that series. Um, and I don't know how much of the producers that were involved in the TV show, um, actually were involved in the movie, to be honest. So a lot of it became like, 
here's the here's the 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 situation where we were going to make take this, and this wasn't very common back in the day where you got a movie turned into a TV series. Just didn't right. happen a lot. Maybe westerns, and, maybe. And they weren't they weren't really interconnected. They took the concept and the characters, but it was not a continuation because they weren't going to take these big movie stars and stick them in a TV show, which is super common these days. But back in those days, not at all. They were they, those were two very different career tracks, is the way people looked at. It. Like I'm a movie star. I'm not going to you know trouble myself with being on a weekly series, which is a lot of work. Um, you know, having to make up and be there five days a week or whatever it is, and they're just really not into that. And, and yeah. these you know, and you, days. like you said, Gary Berghoff is the only actual transplant from the Mm -hmm. movie into the TV series. And then we got a lot of new characters and they, they continue to refresh it because, uh, you had, um, Frank, uh, what's Frank's last name? Oh God, I'm drawing a blank major. It was made major such and such. Yeah. yeah. He was, yeah, he was the foil. Yeah. Major Burns. Yep. Major Burns. There you go. And he and Houlihan were a hot thing. And then he was, he was not Larry Burns though, which I think was was Mr. Burns' son. He left (laughs) and then essentially was replaced by, uh, David, David, in a totally different take on the annoyance. Um, you got, uh, essentially Trapper left and you got BJ Honeycutt. Honeycutt. Yep. New yeah. character brought in. You got the original <laughs> Colonel. Um, yeah, Harry Morgan by, came in as yep, the new Colonel. Replacing yeah. McLean Stevens, who died on the plane. The character died, the, yeah. yeah. He was in, going in the, going home and his plane crashed, yeah. Yeah, and then we got uh, Jamie Farr as Corporal Klinger. So they did enough things that continued to you know freshen up the show, add in storylines, and it, because it was like a medical drama and it was comedic, they could – not so worry about the headlines of the Korean war. They could just basically make it a medical comedy drama, which I don't know if there were many medical comedy dramas at the time, but maybe that's why this was a a revelation for a lot of people were managing the dramedy. I guess that's the best way. This was a dramedy and this didn't happen very often at the time. And it was such a smashing success that again, the Korean war, which is like three or four years, this show was on for 11 years and very famously the final episode, which was goodbye, hello, something or other. It was like three words that had to say goodbye was the most single watched program for decades to follow. And is I'm sure still in the Until top 2010. Yeah. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Yeah. I mean, so that's, that's only 13 years ago. So I would imagine whenever nudged it out, it's still number two or number three. Probably Super Bowl. I mean, yeah. they talked about it's still the most watched finale of any te- television series and the most watched right. episode of a scripted series today. So, because it was but, one of those for our generation, name me uh, your parents or your a parent or a grandparent that didn't watch this show. My grandparents there was watched three it. channels, right? There's three yeah. channels, and right. you watched and this Nash. Was- or you watch nothing else. <laughs> right, exactly. That was it was so funny. You know what's so funny is we were talking about remember I found that um that extremely short-lived uh, sitcom with Gina Davis that I showed you guys the trailer. Sarah. Actually, Sarah, I actually found an episode of it on YouTube and watched it, and then I did a little reading behind it. So that was on in the first half of 1985, but it aired opposite of Dynasty. So it had it had <laughs> no chance. Yeah. It had no chance. Yeah, 13 episodes dead. But notable about that show, Bronson. Pincho, who later went on to be Balky in Perfect Strangers, first uh, Amer- uh, gay character on an American uh, television series. Even before Billy Crystal and Soap? Uh, may, p- potentially openly gay character. 
Or did they say something about him being white? Billy Crystal's white. Now I'm confused. I, I don't know. It's these. We're, we, we're not talking about Sarah, but you know, look up Sarah go, if you want. We got uh, yes, please yeah. do. You can so, find one, so, one episode on on yeah. YouTube. Enjoy yourself. So Mash would be like the rare one where it continued to grow and maintained its success through many changes, cast everything from a book right. to a movie. That and then they try to expand it even more with a you know the after Mash series. It was it was uh it was the um, pastor. Uh, Corporal Klinger. Oh yeah, and Radar, right? Right, and, and then the uh, what, and Klinger's wife, who was actually yeah. uh, Ke- Keiko from Star Trek, Chief O'Brien's yeah. wife, same actress, Rosalind Chow. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, and that did. I don't know how long that lasted, but I mean, it, it probably didn't go very far because yeah. I mean, no one remember. It went from eighty three to eighty five. So, um, um, Trapper John was another one, seventy eight to eighty six. Charlie, that was longer. Yeah, cause um, Trapper John, and like you said, they spun it forward um, to modern time so they jumped it forward 20 years and had a different actor playing Drapper john it wasn't that wasn't that the way that worked that worked because it yeah, wasn't and then they tr- yeah and dude, then they yeah. tried to do a spin-off with uh walter radar o'reilly called walter with star in between each letter that lasted uh one year oh wow he See, joins even the though st louis sh- police force <laughs> oh what <laughs> Yes. So bizarre. Yeah, because at one point Radar left the show because he got when his mom got sick and they gave him yeah. a, a hardship discharge. So he le- he he le- left the series. Yeah. So, so there you go. Um, Interesting. Would, All right. So that would be a good example of something I would say successfully going beyond the source material and really growing and being highly successful. And no one said it right. jumped the shark. So. Right. I think that's a good way to do it. So, um, and we're also, you know, ultimately then Charlie and I, and, you know, thank you for bringing this in the way, you know, that you, you raised it up game of Thrones. So game of mm-hmm. Thrones, a phenomenon, you know, based on a series of books by George Martin that was not finished at the time that they made the deal to make the show. The showrunners, um, uh, they essentially got about five seasons of source material. And then George R. R. Martin, Mr. Railroad, um, Mr. Railroad. basically, shared with the showrunners, Benioff and Weiss, essentially an outline of what he had planned to finish the series of books. Give you some context to this. Um, the You know how many books George Martin has put out in the series since the show began? None. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, he's Bingo. like, he's like yeah. shit, I like these checks. I don't want to work. <laughs> and exactly. I'm old. And there's jokes about George keep writing because we like it. But they, they essentially, the showrunners were eventually saying, we aren't going to be doing this show for the rest of our life. It is mm-hmm. going to have to end. We have other things we want to do. Um, so essentially, they went from being primarily based on source material with the author being highly involved to essentially right. – the showrunners took the outline and made it up as they went along to finish the series. Kind of reminds you of, do you remember the, in the various like Simpsons clip shows, they had that one with the song at the end that they'll never stop the Simpsons. And they go, how about Marge becomes a robot? And how about, did someone say surprise wedding? I mean, that, that is kind of what the last was a year or two. Like Oliver from the big. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So the last year or two of game of Thrones just turned into whatever it's just oh maybe this person knew this thing maybe then the dragon will blow up and then there'll be a romance that's incest or whatever which i i'm sorry that was pretty part and parcel of the show so um but yeah i mean and again i there are people out there that certainly hated it way more than i did and i was a i was a quasi casual fan because i'm not a big big 
big fantasy guy, like so many people are, and much respect to that. Um, but yeah, there are some people, and I don't know if it was the last season or the last two seasons that people were just they were they they were with their knives and pitchforks about how much they just absolutely hated the direction that these guys went in. But yeah, making it up as you go along, that works great for Indiana Jones when he's trying to, you know, get the Lost Ark of the Covenant back. But for doing this multi-million dollar epic TV show that is beloved by audiences around the world, that that, that dog doesn't hunt. Essentially is yeah, improv is hard out. to do with uh, yeah, know, right. budgets. Um, and and I, I, I totally get where people feel torn. I do. Um, I think the showrunners did the best they could with what they had to do. I don't think HBO would probably have loved this to go on forever, but the reality was that the the showrunners got no feeling that George R. R. Martin would be able to complete more books um, to really satisfy what the audience wanted. They felt like there was a shift change from dedicated, really replicating the big story beats, the dialogue from it, to then mm-hmm. it felt like they had to get to the finish. It was plot-driven. Um, there wasn't memorable dialogue. There weren't the standout episodes. Right. There were some that were standout, but there weren't like the Red Wedding, things like that. They were like, oh, my right. God. And, right. Uh, oh, also, wait till you get to the Red Wedding, you know, somebody who's watching it. And I think April, it yeah. also made the fans of the books mad because that was the first time where they didn't know what was coming. Right. Right. So it's like, oh, um, we're right. being surprised. Oh, we don't like that. And so some people right. felt like they were, you know, we liked it before they were they hit big, Charlie. That that you know, people always right. say, I like the Beatles before you know they became hit. Big. No, you and, didn't. Yeah, you weren't exactly. listening to the Beatles in Hamburg in 1960. So yeah, exactly. no, you didn't. You yeah. saw them on the Ed Sullivan Show. So shut up. <laughs> yeah, you don't get bonus points for liking something before everybody else does. It just I liked before it was cool. Exactly. Yeah, that's the that, that's the, the the culture of gatekeeping. You know, like well, you know, yeah. uh, it's like when somebody's trying, you got to put down somebody else's accomplishment by saying, well, get back to me when you've been doing exactly. it for 35 yeah. years. But, you know, give me a break. And I think a lot of people felt unsatisfied because there were some parts of the books that were not in the um, the the show proper. Um, mm-hmm. I think it was like the Stone Queen, where it was essentially um, the mother who was killed. She's actually not dead. She gets brought back from the dead. I think she called the Stone With stones, Queen. Yeah. kind of that Ricky um, therapy. Put stones. Yeah. On. So <laughs> so this essentially the show as we know Game of Thrones um, did really well, and I think people wanted more, but people felt burned. And now mm-hmm. uh, I believe they pitched like five or six different spinoffs, potentially one in the far future with Jon Snow uh, carrying forward basically the storyline we know. And then there was other ones from the past. And Charlie, as we know, we got House of Dragons. A lot of people right. didn't know what to think, right? People were like, right. holy crap, I don't want Game of Thrones anymore. It's dead. It's I don't want yeah, to do right. this anymore. They just they yeah. burn me up. Yeah, it's kind of fooled me. To, and so we, we got this show uh, in the early part of 2022. Or was it mm-hmm. later? No, it was later in 2022. So we got it in the late summer, yeah, right throughout the fall. fall. Yeah. And it was it was a phenomenon. You know, 10 episodes. I love I, – I, I really embrace – the 10 episode per season format of things because we've all just got so much crap to watch uh, that, it, you know, having 26 episodes of something, it seems to be very outmoded because you get half or a third of it. That's filler. Uh, you know, that's just like, Oh, we got to get something out. So here's a script where, you know, Picard goes to the dentist or something on TNG. Nobody wants to see it. Um, but uh, this was great. Very tight, you know, liberal time jumps, in the series so that, you know, you start with younger characters at a certain age and you jump forward to seeing them, you know, at 10 years later, jump and then you jump forward to seeing them as, as adults with children and then the children get involved. And then, um, 
liberally, you know, sprinkling in the special effects and the the you know mythological fantasy aspects of it, but not making it um, not making it so dependent on. Here, you know, well, here's a dragon. You know, it's the House of the Dragons, but like, and the dragon is a character in every episode. No, it's still about all the things that people really loved about House of Dragon or the House of bleh, the Game of Thrones in the first place was the political intrigue and the backstabbing, and you don't know what's going to happen next. And I can't believe this guy did that. And this character now, now he got stabbed in the face, and we thought he was going to be somebody. You know what I mean? So, like, you know, the, the famous ending with with our our beloved Mandalorian Pedro Pascal, where at the last moment the was it the mountain pops up and. Sm- <laughs> punches him in the face, knocks all his teeth out, and then he squishes his skull. Just like, I sure as hell didn't see that coming. A lot of the gotcha moments that you just didn't see coming. And then, you know, House of Dragons really brought that back in, in, in the storytelling that I, format that I felt was really was really tight and on point. Um, and again, didn't come from one of the books, just came from the pen of... Now, who was the principal behind that show? Was it the same guys? Uh, no, uh, I'd have to look at House of the Dragon. I can tell you it is no, House of Dragons, not House of the Dragon. House that was of Bruce the Lee. Dragon. Yep, I think it stuck. Yep. They could yeah, they could have stuck Bruce Lee in there. Ryan J. Condal. So he is um, new because not Benioff and mm-hmm. Weiss. Um, and the good thing about this, it's based on a book, uh, Fire and mm-hmm. Blood. It's a, it's a standalone book oh, it telling is. kind oh, of this story. Okay. So it is based on source material again, but it's not like it's it's condensed. It's set now once again. Will they try to make the show last 85 seasons? And then once again, run out of source material. George Martin, you know, I don't know if he's, he's, I know he's involved because he gets paid to do this. He's an executive producer. It just may be in name. Uh, I don't know if he blesses anything like casting or anything like that. But once again, if this wants to continue and HBO wants this to be the next big thing, I, they could go into the same problem of um, running out of source material. And it could, but once again, this all happened in the past, so it's all made up anyways for George. Right. <laughs> no no one can say it didn't happen now. So right. I don't know. That's that's not my hot D. <laughs> yeah. And and so once again, I don't I'm not familiar with the book. I don't know if the, there's things taken directly out of it. I'm assuming it's based on a lot of it. I'm not sure if there's great dialogue from it. And if that right. they run out of that, it's gonna just like turn key into moments a, and key a like trash well, a, keep. Yeah, could be. Yeah, who knows? Yeah, only so, only time will so tell. Like or an arc per- of redemption for Game of Thrones right. in a way, right? Right, exactly. So, uh, and then finally, uh, we, and we, we we started talking a, a little bit about this as we were slowly kind of revealing is James Bond. Um, and again, this was from a series of novels from I'm going to say the 1950s, maybe very early 1960s, because we got the first James Bond film in '62. That was Doctor No with uh, James James Connery, James Connery, Sean Connery, James Connery. Who's James Connery in the titular role as James Bond? Uh, it was Ian Fleming who wrote these novels, and again, it was one of those like I had. You know, I mean, they by the time we were, you and I were aware of movies growing up. Um, James Bond was uh, Roger Moore, uh, and then it kind of morphed into Timothy Dalton as you got into the middle to late eighties, the later eighties, because he was James Bond three or four times. But it's a it, it's an evergreen concept of a gentleman spy who and works for the British government, um, and it is a as I said, you know, it's a franchise that's now sixty now sixty one years old, and they just much like with Doctor Who, though without any explanation, they just keep reinventing it. Like here's another here's another James Bond, but it's in some way somehow the same character because I remember very clearly in one of those Timothy Dalton movies, you know, they made reference to the fact that James Bond was married in the past very briefly, but his wife died. But that happened in a movie in, in one of the Sean Connery movies in the sixties. So 
it's very, very, it, it's very kind of quasi evergreen with the time, the, the time frame, you know, and, they, I, they, and I looked it up, Charlie. Uh, so, uh, in Fleming, uh, all of his James Bond novels became movies. So right, all okay. of those have been adapted and actually some of them are short stories like, uh, um, Octopussy and the Living Daylights were short stories. Okay, and Living Daylights was one of the one of the later films that came exactly. out. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So it, it, it's interesting there. And then, uh, post, like uh, after Ian Fleming died, um, it does not look like any of those were actually. Oh, well, License to Kill was, but mm-hmm. other than that, I didn't see any based on the title that were actually adapted into movies. Oh, gotcha. And so, they were so he by has- Kingsley Amos as Robert Markham. Oh, got oh. Okay, great. So not not written by him. Oh, so the, so the character. And they were published in 1968. So oh, okay. So when uh, the films were already being made, and when did Ian Fleming die? Uh, it would have been um, in the 60s. Okay, so before before what's his butt writing? Yeah, and, and then and they continued to. Oh, they did make more. Uh, so 96, they made more books. Okay. Tomorrow Never Dies was one of them, which did get adapted. Die okay. Another Day got adapted. Um, the World Is Not Enough got adapted. But the uh, more the more recent string of films with uh, Johnny Handsome Pants, who's the guy who just wrapped uh, up his Daniel run? Craig. So Daniel Casino Craig. Royale yeah. uh, was one of those. Right. Uh, but the rest... None of those are part of those. Um, gotcha. So I imagine those are just all original stories or maybe taken from something else. Gotcha. But again, more overall, James Bond as concept seems pretty timeless and doesn't necessarily seem to be tied back to a movie series. Because even again, you just told me all this information. I thought, well, I thought there was a handful of books and it was a character and they just they just grabbed it and ran with it. But again, it's not like you know these are a huge novel series that a ton of people are aware of because – I didn't have any, I've never read one of these books. I never felt like I had to, to really enjoy the films. And and again, James Bond movies have been beloved by people the world over for the last 60 years and will continue to be because they just continue to reinvent and reinvent. And the canon of it is kind of unimportant because you might get a touch here. You might get a touch there, but it just doesn't really matter. It didn't matter just, before. Yeah. I would say the Daniel, maybe um, Timothy Dalton, his movies, they mattered. Right. Exactly. But yeah. it's just, you know, yeah, Pierce Brosnan did it in the late nineties and the, the early aughts, you know, the F- golden eye, the famous one that gave us that video game that apparently everybody loves. Um, but um, yeah, James, it, it's one of those that just need never suffer because it's just, it's a dude who's a special agent. He's, he's a gentleman. He's a ladies man. He's got all these crazy gadgets and you can just go with that until the cows come home. And I, there, it will still be, it will still be popular. You well, know, it's, it's kind of like invented, like Doctor yeah, Who, with another what? actor playing him a different spin, right. a different take. Well, like um, Saturday Night Live. Saturday Night Live's been on the air for it's pushing fifty years. Will it? You know, and Keenan Thompson has been on for twenty five of those. And no, I'm just kidding. I don't think it's been <laughs> canon for about twenty years, though. <laughs> yeah, you don't think so? Yeah, they're 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 off book. It's, it's where's all, Gumby? We haven't seen Gumby yeah, in all these years. Yeah. yeah, you're right. It's all it's all fan fiction at this point. Or, for or us Goat now. Boy. But I was going to say, fun fact: uh, the first appearance of James Bond on the screen of any size was in television 1954 cbs paid ian fleming a thousand dollars about ten thousand dollars today to adapt his novel casino royale into a one-hour television adventure um and guess what the first james bond was not portrayed by a brit it was actually a american actor barry nelson so this just tells us right here james barry nelson uh, ozzy nelson's brother (laughs) exactly so james bond can be a, a ugly american 
I gotcha. Was he an ugly American? Is there a picture? No, no, a handsome man. <laughs> Yes. Handsome, ugly American. Oh my goodness! Well, that's why this is this wild. And I tell you, this has been a fun segment. But we we one hundred percent came up with this on the fly uh, because Missy gave us some super cool topics, as is her privilege as a Patreon supporter. We didn't know what to do with them, uh, so <laughs> we're gonna we're we're gonna go back to plan. We're gonna figure something else out, and we're gonna give. I figure um, we get some more questions that are in our wheelhouse that we can actually well, speak yeah we'll, intelligently. We'll, We'll get our just desserts, and that, that is a privilege of being uh, a member of our Patreon. And again, we want to thank uh, both Missy and the Nias family, Sean and his uh, his rhythm section of Stella and Henry, uh, for being our top-tier Patreon supporters. We couldn't do it without you. Uh, but, Todd, that's the show, If unless I'm very much mistaken. Uh, thank you, everybody, for joining us. I have been Charlie Carden. Uh, you can find me out there on the internets at uh, at the C3, just about all the socials. I'm kind of bag dabbling on Instagram, but uh, I'm under my pseudonym, so don't necessarily look for me there. But maybe I'll be looking for you. Um, my wife, April, and I do run the USS Grand Petoskey. That is the Michigan, West Michigan chapter of the International Star Trek Fan Club. You can find us at a website of that address and across most socials if you're a trekker. If you live in Michigan, drop us a line. We'd love to have you on board. Todd, where do people find you out there? Uh, find me at Deoxtra. Uh, just having a good time talking about all things video games, sports, and things in the world of nerd. Um, and when you're done checking me there, check out at SeekFringeU on Twitter to find all of what we're up to in the world of nerd. And then also SeekFringeUnite.com for uh, the place to find everything we do in one place. And then uh, or Patreon. Uh, slash Secret French Unite for our patrons. You can see what we've got out there for content and more news to come as well in that realm. Yes, indeed. Ever evolving. Friends, one more time, thank you for joining us. I'm going to tell you that sharing is caring and to keep on trucking. Be the hero, not the villain. In the truck. I drink and I know things. This podcast is part of the Secret Friends Unite podcasting network. Visit secretfriendsunite.com for more great shows, articles, news, reviews, and more. Secret Friends Unite podcasts are available on Apple, Google, Spotify, and other podcast services around the world. If you'd like to be part of the conversation, you can join us on Facebook or our new Discord server. Or follow at Secret Friends U on Twitter. Please subscribe to Secret Friends Unite on YouTube and visit our merch store at tpublic.com. Just search Secret Friends Unite. Thanks for listening.